Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Rook with John Payne, Hedgepoint Global Markets, and kind of a mixed close in both corn and livestock futures trade today. John, let's start off with corn and wheat. They were decisively lower, but after the big uptick on Tuesday, how much of it was end of year type profit taking? I think a lot of it. I think the market reopened uh, yesterday with the idea of just kind of some pent up demand due to the reopening of the Mexican border. I think that's helpful for markets like Kansas City wheat, corn to a degree, but uh, the Mexicans, I think, need need wheat more than need corn right now, according to my sources. So, you know, you saw that nice move yesterday, uh, combined with, you know, what I think can be bullish news out of Europe as well with, um, you know, the fact that, that their acreage is going to be down and then you have a weaker dollar. So all those things kind of move into the camp of Kansas City wheat uh, performing a little better. They were down today, but I would imagine we'll see, you know, some sort of kind of push higher on a lot of these feed grants into the close. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Short sellers have really won this year. Um, so we'll see if they stay in the market for the next three days. Yeah. And the funds have actually went back a little shorter in the corn market here on the Commitment of Traders report. And, you know, what are you expecting here as we flip the calendar into 2024? Will that kind of be the way that we continue to see this market roll? Yeah, I, I kind of think we're we're in a little bit of a time period where you could equate it to 2014, 2013. Um, you know, we come off the big rallies from grains and then the markets kind of normalized from a macro standpoint. Um, whether you want to look at it normalizing from the standpoint of economics, you know, we've seen rates kind of reset here uh, following the COVID run-ups. And then we've seen, you know, prices come off uh, based off of, you know, the fact that production is up in Brazil and South America in general. And then the United States had a decent year. Um, and then, you know, the Europeans and, and the Ukrainians, things just aren't as bad as they were pointed out to be. I'm not saying to belittle the war, but, you know, we're still exporting a decent amount of grain from Ukraine. Uh, you know, corn numbers are basically above where they were in 2015, 2016. So they've kind of stayed at that plateau that they came into at the end of the, at the, end of the decade. Uh, and then we, you know, they've fallen, but still there's there's a lot of supply available. So I think as we go into the new year, the interest rate story is very important. I think the carries that the U.S. producer faces, which these are the guys holding supply, they face a tremendous amount of carry pressure. And if South America doesn't have a short squeeze um, from their growing season, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, I think, to see some sort of big rally until the U.S. has a weather problem. But we could be in you know, May and June by the time that needs to happen. So a lot of those carry costs can eat you up if you're holding supply. Um, so, you know, I think that that would be the biggest risk right now for the markets, in my opinion. Yeah. So soybeans have been very sideways. Um, I know corn has too, but soybeans have been sideways, basically waiting for something definitive about what's going to happen with the crop down in South America. And so after we flip to the first of the year, does that become more of a, even more of a focal point, do you think? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure when the WASD is, but those WASD and CONAB numbers that come out in early January, I think it's like this, maybe the 10th, but don't quote me on January that. 12th January 12th. January 12th. WASD. All right. So we'll talk, hopefully talk before then and we can, we can update it, but we'll get, the grain stocks report, which is a normal end of the quarter report, but for January, we get it the first week because of the holidays. We get the planted acreage numbers for Brazil. We'll get the CONAB updates for Brazil. And then we'll get the final kind of U.S. wrap up for the growing season last year. And so in corn, I don't think it's a big deal. But I think, you know, with wheat, the acreage numbers could be a big deal. And for, for soybeans, the the stocks on hand would be the one that I would look at and say, okay, well, if you want to buy something here, upside calls on soybeans make a lot of sense. 
you know, you could have a time period where we go into that that period. Conab gives us some sour numbers out of Brazil, you know, maybe something in the low 150, 150 million metric tons. And then all of a sudden you have a U.S. grain stocks report that shows us at pipeline numbers. Uh, and that would create, I think, a short squeeze uh, that could take the market back up into the 14s. Now, you know, to get through that, you need to see the better we need to see the, the product markets trade better on soybeans. So, you know, for me in 2024, I'm going to be watching canola and rapeseed in Europe and the, the soybean oil prices here because those markets have been hammered in 2023. Uh, they've changed the dynamic to a degree where crush margins are no longer $2. They're back closer to $1.20, $1.30, uh, which is still high relative to where they were pre-COVID, but they're not in that time period where the, the processes are here in the U.S. are just going to be buying hand over fist regardless. So a lot of it's going to depend on China. And I think that's where, you know, you look at edible oils and you look at China to get beans moving. We need to see some issues there uh, and better demand would be the one to talk about. Yeah, that's the other big 64 million pound gorilla or whatever yeah. is what China does and just demand overall. That's the infusion or the spark that we need for these grains. Then, yeah, right? we need it. I mean, we need it from a commodity standpoint in general. A uh, really smart guy I used to work with told me he did not believe you could see commodities rally unless China's grown 7%. And right now, I don't know if China's grown 5%. And they could be even below that based off of whatever numbers they're going to use. So at, at this point, the Chinese economy continues, I don't say to melt down, but it's it's in it's in the post-collapse you know collapse of, a, of a housing crisis. And they the Chinese just don't have the organization right now to, to refine it, to, you know, kind of put their markets back together. So... You know, in, in one hand, it's good for them. They like deflation in the country because it allows them to eat cheaper. But, you know, people don't need to send their jobs overseas if they don't have inflation. So, you know, the Chinese depend on the rest of the world having inflation and sending jobs overseas and sending, you know, type of demand overseas. And right now with inflation coming off, you know, it's just we're not in that world right now. So, you know, if, I, if I'm looking for commodities to rally, it's got to come from supply destruction, which at this price, especially on the feed grain side, you know, $5 corn, we'll call it $6 wheat. You're not going to see that kind of price, the supply destruction uh, that we're going to see, unless you have a market like soybeans. And I'm speaking more for corn that soybeans would pull a lot of acres from. But even at these prices, I still think you're going to see the U.S. producer grow the corn market. Gotcha. What about the cattle market? Um, obviously, it looks like we've put our lows in. Yeah. We had this big outside day up yesterday. Not a lot of follow through here today. Did we just run up into the next level of technical resistance or was there something fundamentally going on? Yeah, I think, you know, that the, the fundamentals of the report weren't great. So there's, you know, if you're looking to buy a story, that really wasn't going to be your impetus. I think short covering here right. is, is going to be the one to do it. I personally think that the, the cattle markets are very well insured right now. I think there's a lot of folks who have played the LRP game, have gotten floors in, and, and are willing to just sit on it. And I think you're going to have a difficult time finding forward sellers at these prices, given where the crush margins are. So I think at this point, it comes down to beef. And if beef prices can move at $300 on the choice, 260 on select, I think we're going to, we're going to see a cattle market perform in 2024 again. Because I think eventually you'll see demand kick in. The report we got last week that showed that U.S. earnings are up. Even with all of this going on globally, you have earnings that are higher. Unemployment's very low. That's very good for beef demand. And, you know, from what I've heard, you've seen a lot of folks look to get into the hedging game there as well. So I think for me, I'm a little more bullish on the beef, just given the fact that I think the market's insured. And most of the time, those insurance contracts don't work out. I think you'll see the market come back, back, maybe not to as high as we traded in 2023, but 
I do think you'll see that August contract give you some heartburn up there in the 260s at some point. You should see consumer demand, though, stay pretty strong with interest rates yeah. pulling back and the stock market up here at record highs, right? It's we're, we're back in Goldilocks. It's a weird dynamic. You know, you and I would have talked between 2014, 2019. That was kind of my term. It was like we had these great equity returns. You had an economy that was somewhat steady. And I'm not saying it was killing it, but somewhat steady there in 2017, 2018, 19. But you had grain prices and input costs that were just at bare bones, bottom levels. And we're kind of returning to that again. Uh, you know, soybean oil is a lot more expensive. That'd be the one if you're looking for food costs to return to where they were. You know, we were trading 25 cent oil in 2019. Uh, now we're at 48 cent oil, and that's coming off a pretty large correction here. So I think as we go into 2024, it really comes down to energy. Mm -hmm. If energy prices can stay down, I think then you look for beef prices to continue to perform. I, I just think that's the going to be the the play, especially if unemployment stays here. And that would be the one thing I love to read the predictions for 2024, but I like to read the predictions for 2023 now to see kind of what everybody thought. And that was the one thing we were all talking about was job losses. That we were going to see this big influx of job losses yeah. in 2023, and it never happened. No, it did not. Hog market yesterday reacted negatively to the hogs and pigs report. We still have big upfront supplies. The report did indicate, though, that we're slowing down expansion, but that's not going to show up for a while. So are we going to continue to see pressure here? Yeah. I mean, the problem is the hog guys are a little bit like OPEC and that they, they, they cheat to a degree on their, their supposed desire to cut production. So we did see the sow herd fall, but they just, they just eliminated the weakest sows. So the litter rate jumped and now you have more supply on hand. So I think the market's going to need to kind of deal with what it has. I, I do think though, the story we talked about in beef can be, can be brought about in pork. And I, I think pork markets at this point are provide a lot of value here. If you look at food service and, you know, different types of quick serve opportunities there, uh, they just, it just pencils, whereas beef is expensive. So if I were in, in a buyer's shoes, I'd be trying to buy ahead some pork markets here, trying to lock in margin, because I think that's really where the inflation story could hit next year. Uh, if the hog producers get their house in order, uh, I think it can happen rather quickly. The other thing we need to see happen is China. Chinese hog markets have been decimated in 2023. Yeah. Uh, and that has you know, added a lot of demand or a lot of supply for pork in China. Now, eventually, I think at some point they're going to be coming to our markets, but we just haven't seen it yet. Demand hasn't been good enough. Okay. Thanks for joining us, John Payne with Hedgepoint Global Markets. That's Markets Now.